I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, the word is out. Talk about the VOD and the silver screen. Kevin and Tom and Joe know all there is to know. From masterpieces to deep fried tacos. And if the movie sucks, you might hear them say, There's no telling where the guys will take you. Get ready for a spoiler. Won't say it twice, cause we're already. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude. This is Real Spoilers, episode 6, no, 701, <laughs> uh, Space Roomba. <laughs> I don't think that's what it's called. You could say, like, the, 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 the nope. Yeah. I guess we're not. It's a, it's a Parks and Rec movie. That's what that would be. <laughs> Space Roomba? The Canope. No, no, the Canope. Oh, the Canope. Gotcha. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Nope is the name. Like, we can turn that into an Abbott Costello routine if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Real easy. We're better than that. So, 701. So, uh, last week, a true milestone. <laughs> yeah. And what better way to celebrate a milestone than without Joe? Uh, twice. <laughs> not only did I. It's so weird. Like, if you go back and listen to this show, like, early on, I feel like I've missed a bunch of Marvel stuff. I was definitely out of town for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Uh, I was not here for Thor, which was a discussion that you guys killed, but I'm really kind of peeved that I wasn't here for that, because I got thoughts. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just funny that I keep missing, like, Marvel. Next, I, I swear to God, if I'm out of town when Halloween comes out, I'm going to be pissed. I, like, I'm going to quit the show. <laughs> We should uh, you that should be your next Patreon series is all the Marvel movies you've missed. <laughs> that I missed. <laughs> so uh, I guess let's go around the table and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. And joining us, uh, well, I would say via the magic of ZoomTube, but everybody's on the magic of ZoomTube this week. Sorry. Uh, it's Jason from Binge Movies. Hey, Jason. How's it going? I'm glad I can be here for the episode that doesn't matter. I wasn't here for <laughs> 700, but I'm here for 701. And I think the most appropriate title for this film, if it hadn't already been taken, would be Don't Look Up. Oh, that's pretty yeah. good. That would work. Out. 
Yeah. yeah. But, you know, to be fair, every episode is important. So. I was going to say the other. There's none of these episodes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, that too. I guess it just doesn't depends on how that, you look at it. doesn't matter if it has a special number or not. None of, none no. of them are important. That's kind of a lie, though. 700 is a really, really big deal. So congratulations on 701. This is probably the episode <laughs> where you jumped the shark. But oh, Jason, we jumped that long time ago, brother. Well, we had it's, been, a, it's we, a big deal. So we, congratulations, guys. You have to be good before you can jump the shark. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So Nobody. we're changing the name of the show to the Seven Hundred Club. <laughs> I actually have a bl- I, I have a blue shirt that says that on the back. I don't know why it's there on the back of a blue shirt, but it is. They probably did some sort of group sales event. They probably did. That's yeah, I guess so. Um, so before we dig in, shameless plugs, don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, wherever you find a podcast, you can find us. While you're there, be sure and follow us so you never miss an episode, and uh, maybe leave us a review if you would be so kind. You can did also, you read this review from July 13th? We did. We, okay, we declared cool. it not only the best review in the history of the show, <laughs> we declared it the best review in the history of reviews. That's It's pretty great. I hadn't seen it till just now. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's you pretty just fantastic. read it this second? I just, I just lo- yes, I just brought it up. That's pretty hell. I know that you had sent something yeah. to the group, Kevin, yeah. but I hadn't. I didn't realize that that was the review. Yeah. So the fact that this is the review is pretty ridiculous. What do you think? And yeah, what do you think about that? I, I mean, it's so random. It's so <laughs> random. And it also, it does sound like my mom. Like, it sounds like that she would pull some kind of thing like this. My son uh, has a podcast. That's exactly the way I hear it in my head. You know, uh, I just can't. I, it's so funny to think of. I just want to know what the average person thinks when they hear a mom say that. And what I they know think the idea of the show. Is. Could you imagine like if, you you know, I, I think, Jason, I don't know if you guys have this uh, where you're at. But here in St. Louis, we have a thing on Facebook called like a buy nothing group. Right. Where if you got some garbage or something uh, that you want to get rid of, it really is. It's just like something you want to get rid of in your house. I, yesterday, I picked up an ice face mask for my wife because she has COVID and she's got sinus pressure. And someone was like, I have one. Do you want it? And like, that's what this is. So could you imagine that you put something on Facebook? This woman shows up and out of like nowhere just mentions that her son has a podcast. My son <laughs> likes Star Wars, too. And the guy, I'm sure the guy was like, were we in the middle of a conversation <laughs> that I didn't know about? <laughs> what? And he likes Marvel. He likes comic books. And it's like, Mom, all right. Thank you. Thank you. That's you what I will listen say. to my my son's podcast. That's fine, Mrs. Rogan. Just give me the couch. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't think he needs me. You know what? You keep the couch. <laughs> uh. So uh, also, uh, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. Uh, don't forget our Patreon, patreon.com slash real spoilers. We're for five bucks a month. You get all sorts of bonus content, and we like you extra. And of course... You can join the League of Show Sharers by sharing an episode. People who were kind enough to share an episode this week include Christopher Rex, Ralph Tribble, Librarian Cynthia, Heather Sachs, Julianne Jordan, Tammy Sherman Powers, Ron Johnson, Gabriel Lugo, Chris Magic Man, Chris Falls, Travis Tewitt, Chris Williams, Spoiler Piece Theater, Brad Hyen, Ryan Terry from the Forza Crowd Podcast, Colby Mack, L is Not Well, Binge Movies, Geek to Me Radio, In Session Film, Feelin' Film, Mike, Mike, and Oscar, Ronnie Castle, Matt Naglia, and David Rojas. So I feel like I should take a moment to uh, point out who didn't share an episode this week. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, me, but also, yeah, I uh, yes, I haven't listened. I haven't listened to Cha Cha Slide yet. 
So we, I've been a little, a little. That's your moment to be on the show and in the league. I know and show twice. Show. I could have done it twice, and but I didn't do either. Not one. some, not an opportunity you get very often. But you did not partake and share an episode because you weren't on it. Well, we can't read his name next week. That's true. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> so there you go. You missed out. There it man. is. You missed out. So anyway, okay. there's all that. Let's uh, let's dig in to nope. FOMO indeed. There was this tweet going around, right? That Jordan Peele was the greatest horror director of all time he i think he did he compare him to hitchcock in that no no was it just which okay jordan peele has made three outstanding movies back three to back for to three back. he is three for three i mean carpenter is like six for six but that's neither here but i will say he if he stays on this path he's got it whatever that thing is that makes someone an effective horror director He's got it. Now, does he want to keep going this horror? And I wouldn't even really consider this a horror movie. This is one of those horror adjacent movies. It's like a right? sci-fi some, thriller. There are some good jump scares. There's some good some good creepy stuff. I think the scene, we'll get there, but the scene in the barn, I think, is pretty fantastic. There's some great horror imagery throughout the yes. film. But this feels like a Spielberg movie to me with a Jordan Peele twist, if that makes sense. The whole opening of this, when they... The whole opening of this movie, if you listen to the listen to the opening, the way this thing opens, not the Hey Gordy thing, but when we get to the ranch, audibly, it is beat for beat back to the future. Hmm. It is machines turning on. It's the radio kicking on, or the TV, I think, in this one, talking about with a news report. Like, So I thought, and I was like, man, is he going to do like a weird twist on Back to the Future? And then they <laughs> reference time travel, and I was like, this son of a bitch is going to do it. <laughs> like this is crazy, but if you if you play if you overplay the first Back to the Future when we first meet Marty when he goes into Doc's uh, garage or whatever, audibly it's the same audio cues that play almost simultaneously back to back to back, and I was like, this man can is just doing it. Like, did you bring your crazy. iPod to the theater? No, How but I've you... <laughs> I've watched Back to the Future a billion times. Like I could. Uh, I know I, was, I know what that sounds like. Okay, I was just wondering how you knew the audio lined up. I was like, this movie just came out. How did you even? No, that but out? if you if you if you think about like when Marty walks into Doc's garage, right? You hear the door open and it pans uh, across he, all the different clocks and correct. All the, and and it you, all it's like it's all clocks that basically tell and the, the machine movie. and the yeah. machines are turning on, mm. uh, and you get a news report of the, uh, good lord. The plutonium, uh, plutonium, oh, plutonium, yeah. plutonium being stolen. And You've then, got the news report here of the of the missing hitchhiker, or the missing hikers. Yeah, and then he he kicks his yeah he kicks his uh, what his skateboard, and then it hits yeah, the and it hits the plutonium. Uh, it's, it was it was just a very interesting, and he kind of did that in us, right? Like if you watch the beginning of us, like he's telling you exactly what's going to happen in the movie, just on like the VHS cases. Mm, like what what like the vhs boxes that he has on the on the table or whatever and then you've got the arms across america ad or whatever hands this is another one that i think is pretty stellar interstellar you might say this this sounds like a conspiracy theory joe what you just laid out sounds like (laughs) some crackpot kind of nonsense (laughs) except for i would say that you know uh you're dead wrong except for when kiki palmer screams out the libyans and then (laughs) 
you know. And they're and they're driving a, a, con- a VW conversion. Yeah, when the VW yeah, right. bus or the rocket launcher shows up, and it was like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> now it makes sense. Now it makes yeah, sense. When this horse hit 80, hits 88 miles per hour, they're going to see and some he, serious. And I got to tell you, uh, he might, uh, getting sucked up by that alien. It's possible he goes 88 <laughs> miles an hour. Yeah, so this one, it's it, like we just said, it starts out with um, we're introduced to David Keith and Daniel Kaluuya. We find out that they are... Are they the? They're not the only, but they're like the most famous or infamous. They're like, they're like storied multiple generations of horse wranglers for movies. Yeah, which I mean, they kind of do that in the trailer where they tell you that the this the the first uh, stunt man to ride a horse on a moving motion picture was a black man, and uh, he was the same. He was this, these guys' great 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 grandfather. It's the first motion been, picture ever. Yes, right, right, right. And that's kind of their claim to fame. And that's why they keep getting work is because they have kind of this lineage of old Hollywood. I don't think we should skip over the cold open, though, because that's pretty important to the through line I guess of the that's story. true. That, this is the part where maybe you guys can help me out here. I didn't really understand this part. Yeah. I, well, you I, know, like the, just the whole Gordy storyline. Well, I think with there's the, with the shoe. I think. Well, I don't know that the shoe necessarily is the most important part, but so the the cold open is it starts in 1998 on the set of a sitcom called Gordy's Home, and it's you we don't know what's going on yet, and we're going to see glimpses throughout the film as it flashes back uh, through one of the characters' memories. But basically, they're on a set that looks there's no people around, and it pans around, and you see bodies on the floor, and you see a chimpanzee with blood all over him, and yeah. so it paints this horrific picture and we don't know exactly what happens until later on in the film but as the story goes on and we get into what this alien creature is i think there are some parallels between uh, the creature and this chimpanzee being an animal and trying to uh, communicate with it or take it out of its natural element capture it in some way there's there's just parallels that run throughout the story so it's not a straightforward, you know, I think there's a lot of symbolism with it. And as we connect the other pieces, I think it will make more sense. Yeah, I think um, it's thematically, he's, he's, he's strung along a couple of points. Uh, one, of course, is, you know, he introduces the concept of the balloons with yeah. Gordy, which will come back at the end. There's a giant balloon. That That's also current. a super effective thing when we get to that yeah. with, Gordy, with Gordy and the balloons. The reflection on the balloon and the reflection for the uh, device that ends up scaring the horse on the movie set. When we get into the actual kind of opening of the movie, um, you have the, the there's a blocking of being able to view things, looking things in the eye. He's under the tablecloth, so he's not looking directly at this the what's happening. He's oh. he's he's not because the thing about primates, especially chimpanzees, is. Um, you can't bare your teeth and you can't look them in the eye. And so, and even like uh, the Planet of the Apes remake uh, kind of yeah. did that where it, and it's, a, it's a true to life thing when they are uh, being deferent to each other. They don't look each other in the eye and they extend a hand, which is what Gordy does to him because he's not looking him in the eye. Dang, um, I didn't even pick up on that. Good call. Yeah. So it's all about not looking in the eye. It's all about, you know, you, you cannot train an animal out of its instincts it's going to do what it's going to do you can work with it but you can't control it and it's also about essentially the manipulation of animals for spectacle 
sure, uh, and entertainment purposes, just like they train the horses for movies and commercials. They try to get this chimpanzee for a TGIF sitcom, and <laughs> then obviously what Stephen Yoon's character then tries to do with Gene Jacket through his starlight lasso thing. So I think it all, like Kevin was saying, I think it's kind of abstract, but it all ties the themes of the movie together. Yeah, to I just wish there had been more connective tissue from an actual narrative standpoint, because to me it just felt a little arbitrary. I think that's where it gets into a little bit of the art house territory. The yeah. I think one of the great things about Jordan Peele, none, none of his movies are just straightforward. His three that's films, they, you can view them as horror films. You, you, you have great looking films, great performances, and a story that you can read it as simplistic. I think you can get all the things out of an entertaining film, but there's always this deeper meaning. And I think part of the fun is looking into these two scenarios and connecting them just like Jason so eloquently connected all those dots because there's a lot to take from these things like Jupe, the character, Steven Yoon's character, he was on the set and he saw what happened when you try to tame a creature and take it out of its element. And he didn't learn the right lesson from that. He saw all these people die around him. And then what does he do to try to get his fame and and his fortune as he tries to do the exact same thing with this creature and ultimately meets his demise. He was saved. He he made it out alive only to die the same way so many years later. So it's a really Mm. interesting commentary on that and the difference between trying to capture something like that that isn't naturally shouldn't be captured like that and uh what are other characters in the end of the movie the difference between what they do in the end and what these characters have done along the way well two quick things to tom i think to your point i think and to what like kevin was saying i think he almost kind of learned his lesson from us which is i think us is like a really good movie and but then the more he tries to explain how it works the less sense it makes and that's the common criticism for that he he put a lot of connective tissue in in the second half of the movie and towards the third act where, okay, it all comes together. Kind of like Joe was saying, Hey, I I lined it all up and here's what it all means. And everybody was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, it just, (laughs) it all falls apart here. I think he's learned that lesson. He's like, I'm going to kind of explain it thematically, but I'm not going to get bogged down in the details because that kind of ruins the spectacle to use that. And Joe, to your point about the shoe standing up and why it's in his office and we'll get there as we go through the plot. But I think that's a bad miracle. Because that's something that shouldn't oh, happen. Yeah, it's just okay. some weird quirk of fate. Yes. Yeah. And I yeah, think I get- Jupe, Jupe completely misunderstood his own situation, which is, it is, to Tom's point, a fluke that he lived. And I think that he somehow, like Kevin was saying, completely didn't, he learned the complete wrong lessons from that experience and has been essentially exploiting this fluke, this bad miracle. Sure. To, to try to keep himself semi-relevant, and then he runs into another, a worse bad miracle, <laughs> and he thinks that he can control it. He doesn't understand that it was by chance that he survived. He thinks that he can control it, and it comes back to bite him and literally bite him and everybody. Everybody. Uh, See, I yeah. took it as he had bonded with Gordy in a way that the other cast members hadn't, because I didn't take it as him put out a hand in deference they were tr- he was trying to do the exploding they were doing the, the fist bump the, the, but i but i yeah but i think that jason's point is like i didn't even think but you're right the the tablecloth is like is separating them from like the nose up so they're not technically looking eye to eye 
And the balloons had stopped popping. So the stimulus yeah. of the fear yeah. and the instinct, he's no longer in fight or flight because if you look at Gordy's body language, it's almost like he doesn't, he comes out of that adrenaline dump and he's looking around, he's trying to wake the mom up. And then when he starts trying to communicate with Jupe, it's almost like he's trying to explain in confusion. He like looks behind him and he's signaling and he seems confused as to like what the heck just happened. He pulled a Bruce Banner. Yes. And well, I, there's yeah. another there's another really good article that you know we won't go through, but Richard Newby wrote a great analysis of this film for the Hollywood Reporter. So check that out and we can try to link it whenever we post this episode. But there's I think there's also a commentary that he writes about uh, between minorities and exploiting different minorities and actors and in Hollywood. If you look at the way that Gordy is captured and used through to try to be in this funny sitcom, right? Like they will take animals and use them and it's funny and all that. And then look at what they do with the Jupe character. He's a minority actor and he's the adopted son of this white family on the show. And he's he one goes letter and, away from being called Jap. Yeah, no joke. No. I saw his name and I was like, and then when you see the other character's name, I was like, well, he's going for it. Yeah. And so when he's on on the show in this scene that flashes back, but we find out right before the, the carnage happens, he gets a gift for Gordy and it's this small present and he's offering this gift. And then the sister walks in with a bigger present and right. then he is played up for laughs. Like, Oh, you know, he's the, the butt of the joke, right? He's like, Oh, his present's not good enough here. I got the bigger present. So I think it's also a little bit of a commentary on that because also it runs parallel to what's happening at the Haywood Ranch and how they're training these animals and they're a minority company, you know, they're a black-owned company trying to get work in this industry and how if there's no use for them, like we see, like if, if the animals are too hard to work with, they'll just toss them aside and replace them with CG. And <laughs> Which I think is a livelihood. great, I think that's a great scene about like where Hollywood is right now in that you know they we should so basically what happens is we were like kevin said we get this little cold open with the gordy's home set and then we cut back to uh david keith and david uh keith daniel david keith what did i say david keith that's mm-hmm. a hockey player for the chicago blackhawks that's a different you say different so together yeah <laughs> but it's it's otis and otis jr so daniel kaluuya's name that they call him is oj which is <laughs> A running joke throughout the thing where the gal, the actress that they see later, she's like, what's your name? And he was like, OJ. And she's like, all right, I guess. They're trying to train this horse named Lucky. And all of a sudden, all of the pot, like it gets real still. All of the power shuts, like phones are going off, but like there's no like power anywhere. And then all of a sudden, these things start falling out of the sky. And Keith David gets hit but you don't really i think it's a great scene where you hear it happen and he i think jordan peele has done this before where like you know something has happened off camera but you're not sure what has happened and then we kind of see otis riding lucky off and then otis falls off of course and he's oj runs over and he's checking on him he's got blood everywhere and we find out that somehow a nickel has did it go all? It didn't go all the way through, right? Because he was yeah, he got it was his, back in his eye cavity. Right, right. But it didn't. It didn't go. Th- it didn't. He didn't pull a magneto and like go through the back of his. No, skull. it was. No, it was show the head. X-ray. It's in his. It's yeah. in his head. Yeah. Right, 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 yeah. right. And unfortunately, he Otis passes away, 
and it's the the ranch is left to Otis, Otis Jr., OJ, and his sister M, uh, Emerald. And all he all he gets is the bloody nickel from his dead and he dad's skull, yeah. and they give it to him, which is again an artifact of a bad miracle, just like the oh, shoe. good call. That's also yeah. I don't know if I'd want that. Yeah, <laughs> Here's no, but honestly, that that's the sort that's the sort of stuff they do. Unfortunately, you that, mean that like, all rang yeah. very true, which is like, like here, you know, it's like, what, what am I supposed to like, you go to the hospital with your dad and you come home with that sort of stuff. stuff. Yeah. Weird stuff. Yep. So I think before we get into more of the plot, this film looks incredible. Yeah. And Jordan Peele uses Nolan's cinematographer, Hoyta Van Hoytema. God bless you. He did movies like Tenet, Interstellar, Dunkirk. This cinematographer is incredible, and the imagery in this movie, this is such an amazing-looking movie with yeah. so many interesting shots. The way that, like Joe said, like you see Otis slumped over on the horse from a distance. You're not quite sure what's happened. The way they're rushing to the hospital, and his head is leaned against the window. You don't see the gore right up front of the camera, but in the reflection of the window, and you see blood spurting out, and then it cuts to outside the car, and you see his eyes. Clearly, the eye cavity is missing and bloody. The ever, the way everything is framed in this film is so interesting to yeah. look at. I, I, it's it's just phenomenal. So, so I, I have think a that... complaint about how the movie looks. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, and I don't know honestly if it's the movie theater I saw it in or if it's the fault of the cinematographer. But the movie theater I saw it in, I'd say about a third of the time I couldn't make out the facial features on OJ. I know some theaters are really bad about dimming their bulbs because it's oh. cheaper. And mm. it makes them last longer. And so I don't know if I saw it in a theater that dimmed its bulbs. But did anybody else have that problem with, with seeing his face? Like that I, scene where he's in the truck? So, like I could not make out his facial features at all. I think that's I, on purpose. I, it is on, there, but it's it is on purpose. It's a lot. It, like it really, it didn't make me, it didn't feel like a choice at some point. I was like, does this cinematographer know how to shoot a black man? But you saw his eyes. The, it the, was so effective, the whites of his eyes looking up and looking around. I think that was very purposeful, and it was more naturally lit because that was a, a night scene. It would be dark. And so I don't think you're supposed to see his facial features except for his eyes, and I appreciated that choice, but that's just a preference. So it is a choice because Jordan Peele did the same thing in Us. The scene when Lupita Nyong'o's character, when she's a little girl and she goes into the House of Mirrors, the, it's the exact same scene where it's it's insanely dark and all you can see is her eyes and her eyes do all of the acting for you and like the horror that she is seeing because I think that's right before it's when she sees spoilers for us when she sees her doppelganger not I guess clone whatever they were whatever you want to call them when you when she sees her for the first time it's the exact same color palette uh, where it's insanely dark and all that 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 little girl has to act with her eyes so I thought the same thing initially but i was like oh no he did do that previously in us so i I, it had to be a choice like i don't think you do the same thing twice in movies back to back but that scene aside yeah i mean it's an incredible looking movie i mean i think if you take that complaint away but agreed yeah the stunning cinematography the landscape around the ranch it's a great camera choices but he he makes some really really interesting choices throughout the film where I can't wait to watch it again just to take in all the cinematography. It's it's phenomenal, and you know how good Nolan's movies look. So I think that was a great choice to bring him on for this. Uh, yeah, I think um, with this film, I think uh, I said this over elsewhere in the internet on binge movies, but I think that with the first two Peel movies, 
we were really locked into Jordan Peele as a master writer. And not that he was a bad director. They're well-directed movies. But I think the standout was these are well-written movies or maybe had complaints about the writing. But whatever, we were focused on him as a writer. Yeah. I think this is him coming into the fullness of his powers as a director. And by the time we get to about the second half or act two of this movie, with what you're talking about, Kevin, and some of the cinematography choices, the direction choices, it's like, holy crap, this guy has gone to a whole new level of directorial ability. He is gaining skill with each subsequent movie. And there are some images in the second half of this film that are some of the most evocative things and original imagery that I've seen in over a decade, probably. I mean, it's really great stuff. I think this movie goes from strength to strength as it goes through its paces. It's incredible, honestly. What I'll say, I don't remember, I like, I really like Get Out and Us, but I don't remember saying, I'm glad I saw that in a theater, but I'm glad I saw this movie in a theater. Yeah, yeah this, this is, uh, Jason, I agree. I think he has put it all together. If this is the Jordan Peele that we're going to get from here on out, then maybe once we've reached five or six or seven in a row, then we can start having this conversation about he's the greatest horror director of all time. Um, or it, and it's a struggle, right? Like I don't even really consider what he's doing horror. It's Twilight Zone stuff, which is ironic because the Twilight Zone he helped produce was terrible, but <laughs> it's not very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's hard to categorize, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's a really good thing that we can't quite put him in a box because is it sci-fi? All of his movies have a sci-fi element to them. Do they have ho- sort of. horror elements to them? Yes, they do. Is there obviously drama, thriller aspects? Yes, there is. Is there surrealism to them? Yes, there is. Is there a bit of magical realism? Yes, there is. He's pulling from such a deep knowledge of all the same stuff I think we are, and I think that's what makes mm-hmm. him so interesting is that he he's roughly the age of most of us on this episode. No, no offense, Tom. <laughs> and so when he goes into the Gordy's house deal – He's he's speaking the language of us because we grew up watching shows like Gordy's House. We grew up watching TGIF. You know, it's 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 exactly what he did on Key and Peele with so much that so that was funny, but also very dark and weird. And he's taking like just this these obscure things that make us who we are, and he's absorbed that same content and he's putting it into his movies and doing completely original things, telling completely original stories. From a marginalized, you know, minority perspective, that's yeah. also crossover uh, 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 applicable to all people in all places. I mean, greatest of all time. I mean, that's like how do you how do you say that? You right? But he's doing something very compelling, very original, and very interesting. And even if you don't like the totality of his films, you you can't deny his gifts and and. Uh, it's just I, I think now that I, the more I think about it I think he's closer to Spielberg than Carpenter I think Spielberg is probably a better person to kind of go to because I mean Spielberg did the same thing right like Jaws has some terrifying moments in it right but oh, right. I wouldn't call it a horror movie this movie's very Jaws oh yeah Sky Jaws <laughs> <laughs> very Jaws yeah and that's a even good down thing. to the and color of the alien right like yeah, it's the same yeah. coloring as a well, great even white the shark. movie poster there's so many Spielberg influences the movie poster that uh, Jupe has like he starred in as a child actor really evoked some kind of a I don't know, no, no, Spielberg feel. It looked like a Spielberg movie or something. I kept getting these It reminded glimpses. me of Hey Dude. 
kid sheriff oh was, hey, sure dude. sure yeah 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 remember christine, if you remember christine, that Kevin. christine taylor thank you yeah from, hey yeah. It's, it's very second tier nickelodeon yeah it's yeah. hey dude i'm thinking yeah. again that's jordan peele because he's again roughly like our age he's like uh you know, late Gen X, I think, somewhere in that category. Yeah, like, I think he's in between. I don't know how yeah. you are. Or geriatric Jason, but, millennial. And I'm just going, like, yeah. I'm between, say no more. I know what you, you can put a poster on a wall with a, that typography. And I go, I know exactly what show that guy was on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think age wise, he's in between us because he's 43. So yeah. Okay. Yep. OJ has to take over the ranch and he is not comfortable in that role as the as the face of this company he is not comfortable at all he's a great horse trainer he can fix things on the ranch this right his specialty but selling it like his dad did not, not his jam now which M- i think again kevin to your point and i don't know if newbie covered this at all but he's the guy doing the work yes who is going to be overlooked he's the guy yes. on the horse he, and he is, doesn't care about being overlooked he just wants yeah, to do the work he's the guy doing the work and the way that this will get there, but the way this wraps up, where it's just it's thematically perfect, and that sort of stuff gets me excited. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, keep no, going. I'm no, no, get excited. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> but his sister M, Emerald or M as they call her, Kiki Palmer is great who is in this amazing. Movie. She's great in here. She's the she's the the voice. She's the she's the hype man. She gets everybody you know. She sails. jazzed and chill and all that good stuff. The two of them together, are great. They each lack something that the other one is really good at. Yeah, she has no business sense. She doesn't know how <laughs> to, to perform in a business meeting and what no. to say and what to do. And she's, shows she's up pimp, late. She's pimping her. Uh, her other skills yeah, other of what businesses. she can do. Yeah, so so the two of them work really well together, but uh and they each have seemed to have acquired something from their father, but yeah. uh, you know, without each other, they they lack that the complete package. He's right. the steak, she's the sizzle. She's there the spectacle, is. he's the work. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know uh, that she's as good at it as he is because it's like she seems to turn people Otis? off. Yeah, cuz she seems Oh, I think you're right. You know, like and yes, I was right. glad in the like in the trailer I couldn't stand her. And in the movie, I I still kind of can't stand her. But <laughs> but but I like the fact that in the context of the movie, you're kind of not supposed to be able to stand her. Like, yeah, like when she oh, comes yeah. in and does right. that spiel and you're just like when I watched the trailer, I was like, I wanted the movie to shut up. I was like, oh, please stop. <laughs> but but in the context of the film, I realized like, oh, we're supposed to she it's cringe inducing. Like she's yeah, like it's like, please stop talking like you've already got the job. Just do it. You it's know? funny that she feels like okay this is a weird weird thing. They've rebooted Superman, right? Like in the comic books now it's his son. His son is Superman in the comics. And he's a he's a millennial. Like he and he I probably like Gen Z. So his outlook on the world is completely different than his dad's. And people, you know, people are like, "Oh, social justice and blah blah blah." It's like, "Well, if you read it in context, that character would feel the way that he feels, right?" Like that's what and i don't mean to disparage any generational people but that's kind of where that is is we can do better or we can do more or you didn't do enough things like that or where this where she feels like it's the tiktok generation where it's i gotta get my me first i gotta get my stuff in i'm gonna do all this flash and sizzle and that's kind of where she is and he is kind of like us on this podcast where we're just like can you just shut up like I don't need to hear all the jazz and all the all the sizzle and all the you know getting th- getting your I can do 
motorcycles, which I think is a good callback. When yeah, you get to that they, point. they set up things very they nicely. They set it in this up. Movie, yeah, which is pretty great. Yeah. And so I do. I agree, Tom. Like I was at points, I was like, ah, shut up. But I think we're supposed to. F- maybe people our age are supposed to feel that way to a point but i think she's i found her really likable i i do get i did get that feeling of like she keeps going and going and going but there was a charm to her in her performance that i really liked and she it gets definitely, more likable the deeper you get into the film yeah, yeah. It, yeah she grew on me throughout the film but i also think those hollywood people liked her i don't think they were annoyed by her and i think that was to set up the difference between the two characters because they were all clapping and cheering and for oh they were just like speak up we can't hear you and it was crickets i felt like she the claps on. were kind of tepid that they were like okay like it was like yeah, i didn't read it that way i don't but know maybe. It, it it felt to me like courtesy applause like it was like and also I, it's I also, like I, you already hired her like it's you know yeah, I mean? like, right like right. If, when i when i have the bug guy come to the house to spray for bugs i don't want to hear about like here's how long i've been killing bugs and my <laughs> grandfather killed bugs and now i'm gonna kill bugs and here are the bugs i like to kill the most i'm like shut your effing mouth and go kill some bugs that's what go you're here kill to some do. bugs especially, that's why I hired you. especially on a film set where it costs yeah. you tens of thousands of dollars an hour to operate she just cost them like 6500 bucks so <laughs> like shut up and get the horse doing what the horse is supposed to do <laughs> well to be fair she was doing a safety meeting and also she was trying to sell all the other directors and producers in the room on their business to get them more work so i think it was a combination well also she her character exists almost as a as a contrast not even a contrast it's a parallel to jupe Big time. Because when you think about it, she's the one that's like, we got to capture the spectacle. We got to get the impossible shot. And then when you get into Michael Wincott, which, welcome back, Michael Wincott. When you get to uh, his character. Let's not welcome him back too much. He uh, did take away the career of somebody who could have been uh, an, a, a massive. No, I, I'm kidding. That, 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 that's, on stunt that's, I mean, on did, stunt he, that's on the stunt people. That's on the stunt people. That's not on him. He, no, he I did, know. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm, that's, I, that's on the armor I, I the don't movie, think, not but, on Michael Wincott. work. He did not work after he. I think he did one movie post The Crow, and then that was it. No, he's well. well he's done a, several movies recently. Recently, well, but the, regardless, I think he's great in this, Joe. Yes, oh, yeah. and when he answers the phone, Tom, and he's like, "Horse girl, like this is a <laughs> this is a dream you can't wake up from." This the idea of I'm going to capture the impossible. I'm going to harness the spectacle, and then I'm going to be on the top of the mountain. It's it's an illusion. It's a it's a complete falsity. And with where this movie ends up, which seems like a happy ending, and I don't actually think that it is. And again, we'll oh. get there. I don't think it's a happy ending, really. Um, she's jupe. She is that person just trying to capture the spectacle and this and that, whatever. So I think that we are we're not supposed to necessarily hate her, but I think she is intentionally a flawed character. And I think that ties into where the the movie's going because at the end. Just at the beginning with her whole spiel, she's the one that takes the photo. She's not the one who did the work. And That's... she's going to be remembered oh, while her see, brother is in the dust on the horse. He's the guy on the horse that gets forgotten. <laughs> the guy on the horse. But he's been there the whole time doing the work with his dad, doing the grunt work, fixing the stuff, being at his dad's beck and call. It's a prodigal son story. He's the good son that stayed She's the prodigal that left, which also ties into some of the biblical allegory that's in here with the creature and the Bible verse at the beginning, which we didn't cover on, and the idea of spectacle, and then the idea of 
uh, of vileness being covered in vileness, which actually literally happens to their house. It does, yeah, sure. From this creature <laughs> that fairly closely matches some biblical descriptions of angels. Uh, when Is that it's, right? In its full form, yes. Oh, right. in its full form, sure, sure. Yeah. And uh, full form. I don't so, know. yeah, that's, that's why I think this movie is so great because, like Kevin said, there's so many layers to it. It's, it's incredible. There's Which a lot is what he does, right? Like that's, yes. I, I, I've, I've said before about Get Out, like I can't remember the last time you can watch it. If you've never seen it, it plays two different it's, – it's two different movies once you've seen it, right? Like when mm-hmm. the, first, the first time you've seen it, you watch it, you get to the end, you're like, dang, that was incredible. You watch it a second time, and you're like, this is a completely different movie, but it's still just as good. So he is kind of, uh, uh, he is becoming very good at layering that stuff in, and then, because I don't, like, I don't think Us, eh, Us might play a little bit different once you know the ending. This one won't play any, it's going to be the same movie, right? There's nothing at the, there's no reveal at the end of this movie where it just, like, blows your blows your mind and changes everything about the movie. But <clears throat> he is layering things in for you when you get to the end. And, you know, there's the, I remember sitting there when you get to the end, I was like, why aren't you grabbing it? Like, can you there's all this press that all of a sudden starts showing up. I was like, you're going to lose that real quick because they're not going to wait for the uh, they're not going to stand on the other side of that caution tape and wait for you to stand up and like grab that picture now. It was yeah, making the, me nervous, too. Yeah. The, yeah, but the distance between. The two of them. Yes. She's in the center of the arena almost. Right. And she's right in front of the cameras and she's got the evidence. And he is literally a black man on a horse in the dust being left yeah. behind. Out yonder. There's out a sign yonder. That says out yonder. Yeah. yeah. He's he's going to be forgotten even though even throughout the narrative of this film, he's essentially our protagonist until she gets on that motorcycle yeah. And then they do the thing, and then the story switches to her being our protagonist, and if you want to call her that, and it's like he leaves it up to our interpretation of that's what, what I like. Yeah, Maybe. it's great. Maybe they both share in the fame and fortune. Maybe they get ten seconds of fame, and then no one remembers them. The question is: Are they going to be the black man on the horse, or has society corrected yes. things, and will they now get their due? That it's so, or is she going to give in to her base instincts and yeah. just? leave her brother literally in the dust and just be like, oh, yeah. Uh, take it all, take everything but, for herself. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. because that's her personality, That to Tom's point. That's who she's been. I don't know. Yeah, I, just keep, no, I like, keep derailing that, you, Joe. I'm sorry. No, 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 you're good, you're good. <laughs> so, yeah, we come back, and the, the, the horse didn't do what the horse was supposed to do, so they opt out and use CG, which I think is a great call. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've said since we started this podcast, as I am not a huge fan of CG, uh, it looks terrible, and then but that's all Hollywood will do at this point. And when they have a real Especially horse, with animals, although they don't tend to do it with horses, it, but you know, like I think the chimp in this film is CG, right? Oh, I absolutely. was going to say, but I thought it looked great. There were a couple it, of movements when the that that I didn't think were all that good, but but for the CGI itself, I thought was good. It was really more yeah. the performance that made me realize it was CG when he. When he takes his hat off and throws it down, like yeah. that was just very much human. You know what I mean? And and so yeah. like that was when I was like, oh, this is a CG chimp, isn't it? Which, but you have to you have to recognize that you're just not going to get real animals for no, the yeah. reasons like they're trying to say in this for movie. Sure. 
And so if you're going to do CG animals, we've seen some really bad ones. Think about the Dr. Doolittle movie, horrible CG animals. <laughs> Think about all the, the apes movies, though, like the, to your to counter you like those eight movies. All three of them are well, sure. stellar. But that's the difference, right? We yeah, don't always yeah. get the budget and the talent behind the apes movies. Uh, so it, this one, to their credit, you know, we were talking about, oh, we replaced the horse with CG, and that looks awful. But they actually showed us a really good one in this movie, too. So it's funny <laughs> that we got a really high-quality chimpanzee. But yeah, the, the funny commentary is basically on Hollywood that they'll get rid of people, whatever's cheaper and easier to work with. Sure. And, uh, you know, they're oh, taking yeah. taking their jobs by replacing them with CG. Yeah. So we go back to the to the farm and we find out that uh, Jupe, uh, Ricky Park, who is Steven Yoon, who I think is great. Like the I, I he sure. what was the flick that he did that like got kind of got him some critical acclaim? He was in something. Is it Minari? Is that what it was? I believe so. And he's the voice. He's the voice of Mark Grayson on Invincible, which I think is a fantastic uh, casting choice. He's Glenn from The Walking Dead, right? That's where he got yes. famous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, yeah. I always feel, I remember when that show first started, because the show came out and the Glenn issue had already happened mm-hmm. and they introduced Glenn. I was like, you poor bastards. <laughs> don't get, you don't even know what's coming. Like, and it's going to get gnarly. Yeah. That bait and switch was pretty crazy the way they did it that. It was. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you add a character. Yeah. You're just like, eh, we got an extra one in here. <laughs> oh, nope. By the way. So he has he has started to build like this amusement park in the middle of this valley and we find out that he was the star of this show and he has kind of u- turned that into uh this second coming where he's building is it called Jupiter's claim, claim. is that what yeah, it's called Jupiter's claim is this attraction yeah and we find out that he and his family about 6 months prior to this saw this thing in the sky and they have decided to like like uh, jason said try to capture it and they're gonna make money off of it because people are gonna want to people have wanted to see aliens since pictures were formed right like that's always been the thing when you have morons trying to storm area 51 uh, <laughs> aliens are a thing there will always be a thing because they're the unknown and Jupe has the ability to make them known and i think there's a really interesting comparison here where the haywood people they want to capture proof aliens exist that's all they want to do they uh they just want to get a picture they want to get famous for hey we're the first ones to get a clear shot of an alien life form jupe wants to exploit the alien and have them work seven days a week and perform shows on demand so i think there's a large difference between what they're trying to do yes by taking the by taking the haywood's resources literally their horses Strange, they're right? In, they're in dire straits, right? Financially, and then feeding them the horses. That's when he's like, "Well, I want to buy back some of these horses." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll talk about that because <laughs> yeah. them horses are gone." Can he's you been buy feeding them can, to this creature for you six can buy months? Buy back horse parts <laughs> if you want. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. maybe. <laughs> but they're losing money from not working on the movie, so he's got to sell right. the horses, and we don't know what they're being used for until later. But yes, they are do, alien we, bait. We do find out that Jupe has actually made an offer to buy the ranch it's, as well. And and OJ has not said no. Not said yes, but he also hasn't said definitively no. So I'm trying to think. So that night after they meet with Jupe about buying the horse, That's right. we see they the, go back. We see it for the first time. The we power see, goes out as, yeah. as they're kind of hanging out, listening to music. It's Ghost gets out of his 
pen or pen, whatever, yeah, trot, yeah, whatever yeah, the yeah. ghost is out there. And so he goes to get ghost and something spooks ghost. Yeah. And then the power starts going out and he sees something. Ghost is gone. There's like a, a, a mini tornado. He does see something in the sky and ghost is gone. So they go to not Walmart. Fries, uh, I think. It's literally Fry's Electronics. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought that was made up for the movie. No, we don't have it here, but it's, like it's regional. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. And they meet with uh, Angel Torres, who is played by Brandon Perea. He basically sets them up with like a pretty top-tier security system. I thought he did a really good job playing a tech guy. Oh, no, I thought my he was, God. He it wanted was, nothing was... to do with it, but he was like, fine. In so many other movies, this character is the worst part of the movie. Yes. <laughs> and in this movie, he actually adds so much value. Mm-hmm. And to me, he created a buffer between the siblings. And, and again, I said this elsewhere, but if it had just been the siblings and just like kind of them like, well, they're so different. They don't really get along. And Kiki Palmer's a bit extra and he's a bit too subdued. It, I think it would be more grating. But when you throw him into the mix and he slowly becomes part of this ensemble, I think it I think it just takes the movie to, a, to another level of entertainment value. He's written to be he's humorous, but he's not that Roland Emmerich over the top oh, sure, conspiracy sure, sure. nut <laughs> comic relief guy he that's felt like not a real, funny. Yes. A real person. He is a yes. real tech guy who's just like, you know, shows to his job. He knows he knows more than everyone. He's not trying to be rude. He's just like, you can't do this. You'll never do it. I mean, he knows they won't. And he's not right. trying to be rude about it, but he's just like, yeah, no, you need my help. <laughs> how, also, at a certain hard? point, he just went out. He just like, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's another great thing about this movie is after different encounters with this creature, as they subsequently build and this thing gets closer and closer and closer, like uh, Bruce from Jaws, uh, he's just sort of like every different characters and hence the title are just like, I'm out of here. Nope. <laughs> nah, <laughs> nope. I don't, which we never see in these types of movies where pe- you, people just don't respond. But in this movie, he's like, I'm getting in my van. I'm getting the hell out of here. Yeah, right. I'm not going to be in this haunted house bullshit. I, and I love think that. I- I didn't think I'd get a creepy version of uh, I wear my sunglasses at night. But Incredible. Sure, I sure love that scene. That's one I'll of the best you, scenes in this movie. I'll tell you what. If you can see this movie in IMAX, that's the way I saw it, and it sounds like Tom saw it in IMAX as well. No, right? I did not. Oh, okay. So you didn't go to the same theater. Maybe yours was worse then. Uh, so Tom watched it on his phone. <laughs> watch it on a Nintendo Switch at, at, at nighttime with the lowest brightness setting. Why Tom is it so is, dark? Tom is the projectionist that he was complaining yes. about. <laughs> but big picture, big sound. I will tell you what, yeah. IMAX made this an incredible theatrical viewing. There were a lot of scenes. This was shot in IMAX, and you get a lot of the scenes where it's the full height of the screen, no black bars, and you got these incredible visuals, and also the sound is loud. Yeah. And whether it's the music, Music thumping or the bass and Michael Wincott's voice sounding like, you know, an old Western ranch hand, like the parallels. There's a lot of Western parallels, I think. And he's the old gunslinger. So see this in the biggest, loudest theater you can with, you know, loud being calibrated audio. And it made a huge difference, I think. Yeah, I would agree. So they realize that they I like the scene where Brandon kind of comes over or Angel 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 comes over and they're putting in the cameras and he's facing them at like the ground, right? Like where you would want to see it. But the entire time uh OJ's like pointing up, up and up. the guy's like, What are you trying to accomplish here? And he's like just up, up. We up. should say they go to Fry's because once once OJ sees something, he's like, Yeah, that was there's, there's a, something out there. We need to capture it. And then 
M gets the idea, well, we'll be rich and famous. We have to be the first ones to get this. And so they're setting all the cameras up in order to get right. the evidence. Uh, and when I think when they realize that's not going to, is it after the attack? So what happens? Jupe sets this whole thing up. He's got a horse. He's got it ready to go. I do kind of like that this is probably one of the most original designs for an alien in the best possible way, right? Like, I think... Oh, it's a phenomenal bait and switch. It is great. The whole time you think it's a flying saucer, right? And it turns out that it's like a stingray. Like, that's the best way to describe it. It's like a jellyfish, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. But it's not a flying saucer. Well, it's more of a... Yeah, it's more looks like a stingray or something at first, and then it turns into a giant floating jellyfish. But I love the idea of thinking that, you know, we all think aliens are little green men in flying saucers. No, the aliens are actually the spaceship-looking thing is is the the creature. Is the creature, yep. So original. It's pretty brilliant. Uh, And we find out Well, also, like, there was that news report not that long ago that jellyfish don't have like any dna in common with anything on earth and so there's this theory that they were actually like seeded on the planet from alien spores or whatever and because i saw prometheus i know how this works no but (laughs) i I think that's part of the inspiration behind it is that what if they're what if you know what if the aliens are already here right and so Mm -hmm, and also mm -hmm. you get the it again to the angel element it fits the description of like I don't want to say wheels within wheels, which is, but like, you know, when we get to Wincott's character, the garb that he's dressed in, they're in the desert. He gets caught up in a whirlwind like Elijah. They're talking about miracles. So I think he's like, he's, he's, has this juxtaposition in that creature's design between something that seems organic and otherworldly, you know, angelic or uh, demonic or something. And at the same time, something that could be like a cryptozoid or something natural. Oh, sure. That's really. That's what makes the design pop because it seems like something organic, but it's also completely bizarre when we see it. And the way it, even when it's in that UFO form, it's just very strange looking. Yeah, it's great. It is great. Jupe tries to set this. I, I will also say we as we're as we're moving forward, we, as we talked about, is we keep getting intercut with Gordy's home where we find out that it's because these balloons popped and it's just set Gordy off. And he mauled the the actress who played the mother, and he uh, I, I I can only assume ripped the face off of the girl who played his sister. I think this is supposed to be like Travis the chimp. Do you remember that story? Mm-hmm. No. There's a chimp called Travis, and he was a Hollywood trained chimp that was in commercials and TV yeah. shows. And this woman got him as a pet, uh, oh. and uh, he ripped her face off. And and she had had him for like twenty years or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. wasn't like she had him. It wasn't like she had him for like six minutes in the chimp one. Like this they chimp were. was like had lived peacefully with them for mm-hmm. at least a decade, I think. And he was her just, child, and yeah. they. Yeah. It's not like he was in a cage. He was treated as a child, and then one day he snapped. And so I think you, it's impossible not that sure. there's no inspiration there. I think that's yeah. kind of why he chose it to be a, a show business chimp. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so the alien attacks, and it sucks up everybody that is at Jupiter's claim. And I mean everybody. Horse, not I guess the horse doesn't because it never looks up and stays inside of its little glass cage. But everybody that is at the claim is now gone and and you see them go through we finally see I what think, happens yeah and we know what the, we find out what the noise is and we find out what all of this different stuff that we'd been hearing now we know screams that of people the, the people that went missing in the very beginning of the movie 
were the people that's like, where the, the nickel stuff came that falls from. out of the sky. <laughs> right, the keys yeah, right. and nickels. The keys and the nickel. And, right. It came and they these... they blamed it on an, an airplane dumping the sewage yeah, right, or whatever. Right. But yeah, uh, OJ was like, "Bull, that's not yeah. what happened." Um, but you see it. They see the people moving through the digestive tract of this. Yeah, creature. which is crazy. You that's never see most, a, That's incredibly disturbing. Yes. Yeah. Because Fantastic. you hear children crying, you hear people screaming, and there's it's claustrophobic you know, you, too. You're just like smushed between its like esophagus or whatever. There, right? it's, whatever never, it was. You never yeah. see people getting eaten from that view, and it was really effective. No, yeah. uh, and then the 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 alien flies over the. When the I think Haywood about the ranch. nickels falling from the sky, though, I have to wonder like, where's it pooping? Out of its mouth, we see it. Oh, it just spits them back out where they came. Whatever, gotta, yeah, whatever it can't digest. It's right, just but if, but if it's digested something out. and it's pooping at some point, where's the poop? That's going? it. <laughs> when the nickels and stuff fall, that's yeah. the poop. And that's the, the you get yeah. nickel poop. But that's yeah. but that's like uh, which is actually the name that for can't be digested. There's if you digested something, then there's poop. <laughs> Maybe it just churns it up and uses. Do jellyfish whatever. poop? I don't know. That's a children's <laughs> book, I think. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not, it is now. Trademark real spoilers. Yeah, no I one think, take that. I'm making I that. think that's as close to defecation as we get. I think that's the con. I think that's the idea. I think the idea is it uh, basically just absorbs everything, what, everything, and, and whatever out. whatever it can't absorb, yeah. it just blah, which inorganic. we get later, right? Like that's yeah. we we find that's it's kind of its weakness later. It, yeah, inanimate objects are yeah. always spit out, right? Um, so we, the the alien uh, jean jacket goes over the Haywood Ranch house and just unleashes blood. The and imagery, is, I love the, this. This is incredible. This, the most evocative imagery of the film. Yeah, it's amazing the way that this is shot, and you see the shadow of the creature. Yes. A lot of it going over the ground, and you see it's raining at this point in time. Yep. And uh, and you just see as they're in the house, the rain stops around the house from the yeah. inside. You can see where it stops, and then a bloody downpour on the house, and you see it from inside out the windows. You see it from OJ's point of view when he finally gets back to the house, and yeah, it's it's stunning. The the bloody as like lightning flashes, and you see the red blood. Yes, the yes. whole buildup of of Angel trying to leave. He's like, "Nope, I'm out of here," and he tries to leave. <laughs> and then the the EMP the kind of stuff, and the yeah. car shuts down, and the Corey Hart gets slower and slower and slower and creepier yes. and creepier. He gets back in the house. We we we're not even directly seeing it, like you said, Kevin. We see the outlines of the thunderstorm, and then all of a sudden the, the storm's pushed away from the house, which is absolutely bizarre to look at. But it, it's like intensifying the rain around the house because it's like dropping off of this thing. And then the blood and the bones and the metal and the, yeah. the all this sh- stuff that starts falling on the house, and then th- then the Daniel Kaluuya confrontation, and then mm-hmm. when he it spits the horse that they stole from Jude, the, <laughs> the statue. That's a great scene. Out at him, you know, that was a and, great scare when it holy, comes through the windshield. Oh yeah. yes, yeah. I think the entire theater jumped. And then great. he look, then he it gets real real quiet, but then you can tell it's not raining around the vehicle. And he, yeah. Kalu is smart enough. OJ is smart enough to, and so he very slowly looks up through the crack of his door, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Nope, nope." <laughs> he shuts the door and locks it. I love then, all the characters. Or oh a lot of them end God. up saying "nope" at some point, where they nope out. It's yeah, and nope, then then that next scene, which I think is just incredible, is when the next morning he's like trying to slink around, and there's just like fog. And just like craziness didn't, didn't all around ref- the house. Didn't they reference earlier in the movie that they're like the first attack? There was fog all over. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. 
And then the Corey Hart slowly starts to come back up, but it's still distorted. Oh my gosh! And then it's still there. Holy crap! Yeah, this it's is incredible. an incredible, incredible yeah, it, the use of music because when the sunglasses at night song is playing and it's loud and it's thumping and the monsters around and it does go slower and goes in and out. But whenever it plays loud. I'm thinking in the audience, I'm thinking, turn that off. It's too loud. Turn it off. <laughs> yeah, They're going right, to find right, you. Right. It was so effective because in my head, I wanted to say, oh, it's too loud. Turn it off. But it, it was doing exactly what it wanted <laughs> yes. you to feel. Turn it off. Turn it off. And it never goes off. Turn it off. <laughs> and it never goes off until it's too late because that means the monster's there. The monster's yes. there. Yeah, once, and, 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 and when they're in the house and you hear the screams yes. of all the people – Yes. And then getting, Angel's, getting Angel's like under the table. He's like, he's like, what is that? What the hell is that? Yeah, and she's out. and she goes, she points up. She goes, it's us. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, it's so disturbing. So and then you hear a crunch, and everything right. goes quiet. Oh my god, yeah, it is. Uh, it is probably the most inventive alien I've seen. Uh, you know, I, I think Dan O'Bannon and everybody on Aliens, definitely H.R. Geiger, all those guys created um an alien i th- I think of like definitive alien speed i think of the guys from signs like it's such a simple design for the aliens from signs and i it, but this one i think is up there is just like the most inventive way to do an alien well without... those are all like humanoid adjacent right, right? this right. thing is not human like whatsoever right it no. passes a ufo it could pass as a jellyfish it could pass as an angel or spiritual being anything. or whatever yeah, yeah. it's a, sh- it's a hey. shapeshifter yeah it's incredible yeah so they find they finally call i believe the characters was it antlers that couldn't have been his name yeah antlers holst oh <laughs> all right <laughs> i was like wikipedia lied that 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 bastards <laughs> did you know anthony um, perkins son is in this movie Oz Perkins, he was on set when they were doing the horse thing in the beginning. Oh, really? Movie. Yeah, Oz Perkins was in it. I just is he the? Is he the? Is he the deep like the the associate? Yeah, the guy that's talking yeah. to her about getting. You can tell, like you can yep. see it. He looks a lot. He looks like a Anthony. lot like yeah. his old man. You're right. Go watch Psycho two through four. They're great. <laughs> Why would I skip one? Because Why would you, you recommend all one? the Psycho. Everybody knows the first. One. Everybody knows one. <laughs> Everybody's seen one. That's there's a, given. a reason for that, and you watch yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they call the who was this? I mean, he's, I I think of him as like like Werner Herzog, like kind yeah, of he's this, this incredible film director film. with a vision. He he's a, an auteur to the nth degree, and they they kind of talk him into getting the impossible shot. And so they set it all up, and I do think this is kind of brilliant where they have this whole setup where they steal all of the, Jason, this is for you, Bailey buddies, get stolen yes. and well, thrown he, all he, he over. He just shows up, right? M calls him, and he wants nothing to do he with it. He basically says, no I'm money. not doing it, and then he's like, he hears the news. No, he hears the news that's reports right, of what's going right. on. So many people have disappeared, and it's the same area that M said there's this crazy alien killing people. And so now he's like, oh, I've got to go get this shot. Right. And yeah. he shows up with... All of his gear, and he's got all of his cameras. And I do like that his IMAX camera is a hand crank camera. And I was like, man, that is some like old school film, yeah, they, like maker they stuff. They can't use anything digital because the alien sends out basically an EMP. So they have this big setup. I love how Em's like, I knew he'd show up with his <laughs> his hand crank, whatever. <laughs> right. she, like it's just so yeah, her, yeah, yeah. She's so lovable like as the character has grown on you and you get who she is and how she is and then is this the part where she does the handshake thing with oj so that yeah yeah, that that scene like it it hits something 
Like yeah. you finally get to see some emotion out of him, and yes. not because and not because OJ Kaluuya is playing it. He's playing it a certain way because that's the way the character is. The character is the character is introvert. That he, yes, that's, that's how. So he when is. you get to see him emote with his sister, and he is visibly excited as well because uh, he thinks this is going to work. Like yeah, I was like, oh man, and they and they nail it. That's not an easy thing to do either, right? Like that's that handshake. You got to. <laughs> Like that is not an easy handshake to get, <laughs> and they nail it every single time. It's yeah, great. So yes, yeah, so they have this whole setup, and as things are progressing, they so they think, find out that the little flags from Jupe's doesn't like the flags. Show, did it get caught on the horse, or somehow they? I think found it just out got stuck. It, it spit out the flags. It didn't yeah. like it. It, it was wrapped around it. the 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 decoy horse that it yeah. spit through the windshield. That's right. So, that's so right. they find out they can use that to their advantage. So they rig up this whole setup where they he doesn't like inanimate objects. He doesn't like flags. So they go and steal a whole bunch of wacky inflatable arm men. They take <laughs> the batteries out of the cars of the people that were left. It. That's a it, great line where he's like, well, they're not going to need them. Yeah. It, the uh, <laughs> Jupes, Jupiter's claim. He takes all the batteries out. So they're going to power the arm men. They've got flags set up and stuff. And then they wait for it to show up. And it does. And things are working out like they're going to get the, they're going to get the shot. Everything's coming together. And then all of a sudden, here comes a guy wearing a Daft Punk like motorcycle helmet driving like a, you know, a, I don't know who makes an electric bike at this point. I was going to assume Tesla, but I don't know. It starts innocent enough, but then it becomes very obvious that this guy works for TMZ and he's trying to get the shot and he's trying to get, you know, all of this stuff on video. He kind of confronts M about what happened at the claim. And she kind of she warns everybody that this guy's coming. And I think Angel has one of the best lines of the movie when this kid is speeding on an electric bike towards Jupiter's claim. And he goes, what happens when an electric bike hits an EMP? And as soon as he says 60 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour. (laughs) And as soon as he says an hour, he hits the where the alien is and just gets launched. And it's an interesting I think it's, it's a hilarious line. And then we know kind of like that guy's done for. That's that that's the end of that guy. I think that bike might be a Harley, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It like looked I, cool. Yeah, I just I I I was looking it up and there's a Harley electric bike that looks similar. I didn't catch the name on the side, but it's called Livewire. Okay. Yeah. Going back to your Back to the Future conspiracy theory, Joe. Yes. This is Back to the Future meets Back to the Future Two. Yes, it we is. Have, we have the roadway. Yep. And we have to race on this roadway to accomplish this task. But also you have the those that, that rope with the flag on it, like Back, Back to the, the Future 2. But you've also got Back to the Future 3. Yes, because, because it's a Western it's the Western. there's horses. Yes. Yeah. And so, I yeah, there's definitely something there. <laughs> and also, like, the plan goes awry, and they're on the walkie-talkies, and then, yeah. And it's silver, like the DeLorean. And so there's definitely, like, he's borrowing some imagery there. It's not plot-wise the same, but I think it speaks to you in a subconscious level where you're like, I recognize this imagery and it evokes a certain feeling. And I think this this part of the third act that we're talking about also heavily reminded me, not heavily, it lightly reminded me of the feel, not the plot, whatever, of Tremors. Yeah, I was was thinking Tremors a lot watching this movie. And honestly, the third act for me, this movie does not stick the landing. Interesting. Overall, I like this movie, but the third act, I was like, that's it? We just chase chase an alien and 
And we like, blow I don't know. I just, oh, I thought the third act was incredibly cinematic. I that's the point. I, I really enjoyed the movie. There was great imagery, but during that third act where they're trying to rig up all these things and get them to work and the escape on the motorcycle, I was just looking at that huge IMAX screen, and that's where I thought to myself, I am so happy I'm in the theater seeing this. It was an experience, yeah. not just a way to watch a story. It became an experience for me, and I in the music, the loud sound, and everything. I like the music, how they were definitely trying to sound like a, like a Western, a Western? from the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh-huh. yeah. I, I like that. And uh, I want to go back to the TMZ guy. I really like the commentary there, how this guy was so preoccupied oh, on he, getting the shot. Where's yep. my camera? I got to get the shot. It's yep. like people today. You see people when a tornado shows up, what do they do? Do they take shelter or do they get their cell phones out and film the tornado? When yeah, two people really are fighting get... in the street, what do you, you're watching people, they're like, yep. they don't try to stop them. They yeah, just they pull just their phones out. They scream World Star. World I, Star, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I was... But I was also kind of like, they're like kind of trashing this dude, but everyone in the movie's doing the exact same thing. The people that we're rooting for are doing the exact same thing. I, it's yeah, just but I that think it's that's kind part of, of the point. Though. You feel like they have an ownership because they found it first, but right. But I, I don't think I don't think Peel. I don't get the impression that Peel is Nessus. Yes, they are our protagonist, and yes, we're essentially rooting for them. But I don't think Peel wants us to be necessarily completely on their side. If anything, I think he wants us to be more on the side of OJ because OJ's character plays through the theme of the movie, which is, and he talked about this a little bit, so this isn't just me theorizing. Peel talked about this where basically we live in an age of spectacle where either if you can capture a spectacle or make a spectacle of yourself, that's really the only way to achieve any kind of success. The problem with that is it's highly destructive to be in or become a spectacle. So the only way that you can survive in modern society with all of these spectacles, politically and otherwise, is to not pay attention to it. And oh, so OJ, as the character who doesn't, yes, he wants to capture it, but he's the one that figures out just don't look at it, keep your head down, just do the work, do what you got to do. I think he's actually the closest. I think everybody else, when caught, ends up basically sacrificing himself to try to capture the impossible. The TMZ guy does the same thing. That's where I think the ending is not necessarily a happy ending. I think Kiki Palmer is somebody who is a spectacle person, and she's going to get consumed by the spectacle. Jupe literally gets consumed, as do the crowds of people. So I think thematically he's working it through, which is don't get consumed by spectacle. One, you can't control it. One, it'll and two, it'll always turn on you. And three, it, it always ends in some kind of disaster. And so, I don't think that this is, despite some of the levity that's in it, I think that's his commentary on the world that we live in today and it, the destructive nature of all of this stuff. Sure, and the exploitation yeah. of exploitation, animals, yes. of people, of people. That's yep. the Hollywood system. It's the whole yep. thing is very feels like very inside Hollywood commentary from yep. Peel's perspective, and especially with minorities, right? So you have yeah. the the main characters are black. You have Jupe, who's Asian. Yep. So you're you're you know, and then the animals, the horses, the chimp, all these different people that are being exploited, and the alien. They're yes. they're not even of this world. So and now. What is humanity trying to do? Exploit, Exploit it. Yeah. So I, I don't think that we're supposed to be completely on the side of our protagonist. I think we're supposed to be conflicted a little bit. Yeah, they're the closest thing to good guys we have in the movie. But I think everybody's kind of guilty of the same sins in this film. Which is why fair. I think it opens up with that Bible verse from Nahum of, 
talking about you know v- making you vile and making you a, a spectacle. Everybody's a sinner in the film. Everybody's guilty of the same thing. Of something. And ironically, yes. if they do get the shot, no one will ever believe it. That's the bottom line, though, right? <laughs> I think so. It's an well, no, that because that the corpse of the creature is going to land somewhere. Tom. <laughs> well, it's it dead. Didn't, it didn't. It exploded. I don't think. No, it it blew up, but then it's like deflated. Yeah, and it's slowly falling I thought that to the was ground. The Oh no, no, that no, was the thing. The that, was, that was the creature. Okay. The, the also, balloon explodes inside of it, then you see it's like corpse. It's like slowly like all deflated and like wispy down. and floating down. So, I will also say it also kind of makes their picture irrelevant though. If you got the corpse. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Like they if if they had got it in action though. That's they true. Would, that's yeah. true. But if they yeah. had achieved their plan of just getting a picture, it no one would have believed everybody would have just been like, Well, it's it's Photoshop. It's Photoshop, it's trick photography, yeah. it's like Yeah, you but know. You've, you've also but got, got now, they got the film reel. They no, got beyond Oh and it Maybe can't digest do, metal, so Wincott's yeah. hand crank camera. That's that what he I has thought too, hand, right? Like they can I, capture, that's, they get that footage as well. I thought yeah. that's what he was doing. He's like, I am never this is the I'm gonna sacrifice myself to get the perfect shot. Yeah. The impossible shot because he knew that that camera was metal. Mm-hmm. Yes. He was going to get kicked back out anyway, so he's going to get the shot. He's going to get the shot from inside. He'll be oh. known as someone who the only person to ever film the impossible shot inside an alien. And so we're to believe that those film canisters rolled down the hill. His camera will get spit out somewhere. So there's lots yeah. of different proof. And if they were to capture it without him dying, he still is. You have this director who is one of the most famous. I think he's directors. a cinematographer. I don't think he's a director. Oh, okay. But but he's but still, he's, yeah. He's known for film and real yeah. life capturing, not CG or anything. So I do think there's a level of notoriety where with him being involved that but you're right. I mean, there's always gonna be questions. I was just happy that at the end when when M does get the shot that the press were there, so they did see something was happening. It's not like she's just coming with photos like, Hey, this is an alien, like there were witnesses around knowing something was going on. Also, right. what's what's Wincott's final line when he says it's going to be okay, Angel? But he goes, but nobody deserves to see the impossible. Yeah, that's a great line, and that's his. Again, the point is miracles, bad miracles of the otherworldly. That is in of itself a spectacle, because uh, I think part of what he's dealing with here is what we call UFOs. Ancient desert people would have called spiritual, supernatural beings, sure. deities, whatever. So hu- humanity has been encountering these things, and in, in different generations, we we've encountered it, and we've called it different stuff in different places and times and cultures. And um, we don't deserve to be that close to something like this. Like you can only get so close to the ineffable before it consumes you. And I think that's his whole point is like flying too close to the sun. Yeah. Flying. Exactly. And he's like, nobody deserves to see the impossible. Like it's like, it's, it's too other than. And so I, I think that his death is also thematically like tying that, that, that uh, note together. So to speak. That's very true. Note. Note. (laughs) Uh, That's the sequel. That's the sequel to this. They devise this whole plan. It turns out that it, it goes it goes sour. It goes bad, and M has to get back to uh, Jupiter's claim. And she realizes that this thing doesn't like non organic material. So she cuts the balloon of of jupe, jupe. Basically, it's a jupe balloon, and it sends it into the air. And this at this point, we've seen the full of what we I guess we can say is the full body of this alien, where it it is very much 
kind of like sail like a sails like a sailboat like it's got this weird like square mouth box thing it's it's very interesting very cool i looking, think that's supposed to emulate a camera because that everyone's sense. trying to capture the alien with their cameras and this creature has been watching everybody else i think jupe even calls them the watchers yeah and so as they're photographing it it has this mouth that's going to eat them, and i've but seen the like watchers by the way they don't look like that if Marvel is the viewers is what he calls it. He calls oh, the viewers, yeah, sorry. Viewers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Marvel. Marvel has the watchers. I don't think they could have gotten. Yeah, away you're that. you're right. That it almost looks like an optical lens or <laughs> a, um, a, a a camera retina. Yeah, where, like yeah. focusing. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. It keeps racking. It keeps racking yeah. and focusing on them. Yes, so and original. Then, unlike again, anything we've ever seen. The consumption of the camera consumes people. Movies, mm-hmm. Hollywood consumes people and spits them out. Yep. As as four guys on a podcast are talking about movies. There's this makeshift well that looks like the well from Holes. If that, like the the cover of Holes, (laughs) is kind of like this. But you look down in it, and it's like it's a infamous poster in this world where they take a picture. So there's all of these, uh, there's all this change laying all over the place. So since M has cut this balloon and it's rising up, she knows that the alien is going to go for the balloon. So she's just pumping quarters into this makeshift photo booth. And it's just picture, and it's nothing, and it's nothing, and it's nothing. And finally, the last one she gets, it's the the alien eating the balloon, and we see a full picture of uh, the alien. We see it, you know, from the from the ground up, and then it eats the balloon. And of course, like we talked about, the balloon explodes inside the alien, uh, and and we assume kills it. Uh, and it was very of, clever how they set up the camera in the beginning because remember this shuts down all electronics, right? So they have to capture it, and the only way they have is with the film, the actual, like a digital, uh, not a digital camera, but like a, it's like a regular, Polaroid, regular, yeah. It is, it is essentially That's what exactly it's doing. It, yeah. But so they set that up in the beginning. This script is so smart. This is written and directed by Jordan Peele. His screenplays, like Jason said, are always phenomenal. And this one, I think, is especially smart because they set up everything in the beginning. They don't leave you scratch your head. Well, but how would that work with? But I mean, he sure, sets yeah. it all up, and it all works the way he that he plays you would by ex- his own rules. Yeah, and he doesn't break them for the most part. He does not. Well, and not without at waking up the camera, I never looked right. at any of that stuff and was like, "Oh, that's Chekhov's camera." You know, it just it felt very organic the way he introduced yeah. these elements, whether it be the horses or the cameras, and, and they all came back into play and worked really well, especially when the whole movie's about trying to capture an image and like you see this wishing well camera and you don't even I didn't think of it either I just yeah I, I was like oh they're recreating this this the the poster yeah you know like the, that's why it's there it. that makes sense you know and she right? uses it yeah. That, it's yeah it's a phenomenal screenplay in that regard the way where things are all set up and they, the way they pay off organically yeah so then you know the, the picture pops out and we don't see it right away and of course it finally develops and we see that we have gotten the shot we should also say that we assume at this point that OJ is dead, that he wrote off. They, they went separate Maybe. ways. May, well, I'm just, you're, I think you're left to assume that to a point is sure. that OJ went one way and M went the other way. And we just don't know what happened from, from that point. So in the background, again, he's Jordan Peele when he's setting up shots is really good about doing things in the background. So you start to see all of these reporters start to gather at the front of Jupiter's claim M is laying next to the, and this is what we talked about. I was like, can you grab that picture, please? Because some <laughs> reporter is going to bust through that caution tape and you are effed. You know what? M would kick their ass. 
I if she could get there in time, I was like, "Can you just roll? Just roll over there and grab that, please." please I think she'll it. get him. I just, but as a viewer, I was thinking the same thing. Oh my god, <laughs> just grab the evidence right now. Yeah, but even or if they some... took it, she would still legally own the copyright. That's true. There you go. Since she, yeah. well, no, she took the photo. The whoever takes oh, okay, the photo okay. owns the copyright. Okay. So she kind of looks up, and we see what we could interpret as as OJ sitting there. He, had, you know, he had survived, and we see him surrounded by dust we don't really see we don't really get a clear shot of him but you know he's wearing like a bright orange i do love that the it's a scorpion <laughs> it's a scorpion king that was a hilarious sweatshirt payoff to yes. the scorpion king story that he's yeah. wearing it like a set what is it like a set gift or whatever like, yeah like yeah, i thought it was like a, like a, like a crew the crew hoodie, yeah like a crew yeah. shirt or whatever it's great and that's kind of how this ends the, the one scene we didn't talk about that I just want to talk about briefly which i think is the scariest scene of the movie is the lights keep going on and off in the barn in one point of this movie and oj walks in the barn and he's just like you know you can't see anything and it's it's so brilliantly lit and brilliantly shot is that it's a shot from oj's point of view and you're just looking out to the barn and this thing out in the distance in the barn just starts to move a little bit and it doesn't catch your eye right away but then I can't tell if he brightened the camera up a little bit or if it's just this thing that kept moving. But then you see like a traditional alien head and he and this is what he goes. Nope. And he starts to back out. And then there's another one. And he, like he stops in front of a stall for one of the horses. And this alien is there. Very Michael Myers esque from Halloween one at the very end of the movie where he materializes from the dark. And we, it turns out that there are they are Jupe's kids because they stole this horse but leading up to that point it was a horrifying perfect dose of scary tension building scene that i thought was fantastic the more we're talking about this the more i think if you take spielberg you take a little bit of john carpenter and a little bit of stephen king and throw it all into a blender you get jordan peele and i don't want to pigeonhole him into being like copying these these auteurs but like Jason said, he grew up the same time that we grew up and grew up watching the same things that we did. So the influences from Spielberg, from Carpenter, from King are all apparent, right? Like we talk about his character building, and that's a Stephen King thing. Stephen King is is an amazing character builder. John Carpenter is an amazing, well, used to be. I don't know what he can do now. But building tension and suspense is a, is a Carpenter thing. And then the fantastic nature of this movie with the aliens and the way it's all filmed is all Spielberg. He's so I think influenced. He's really intri- yes, big time. But he's, he's, you can tell he's influenced, but like everyone is, but he's not imitating them. And that's the difference. No. Yeah. He, he is an auteur in his own respect. And that's why I don't even like comparing him to people because Spielberg was influenced by all the Westerns and sci-fi serial stuff that he grew up with. Lucas was the same way, so it's Zemeckis was the same way. Too. It's how you're influenced and what you do with your originality and your creativity. So it, it is a big difference between growing up with influences and yes. then copying and being like a, a, a cheap Abrams. imitation, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like JJ. <laughs> but yeah, I think this is this is an amazing film. I agree with Kevin. You need to see it it's on a big screen. It is uh, it is worth your time to go to the theater and see this. Do not um, go to the Tom O'Keefe Advanced <laughs> Institute of Film Snarkitude and watch this movie. Don't don't watch like it on a doo doo. Oh, don't watch it on a on a Nintendo Switch. No, yeah, never. Right. yeah don't, don't even do watch Nintendo games on a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> That's, <fine. laughs> That's true. I'm super interested. You know, this guy, like I said, he's three for three. 
I'm interested to see where he goes from here. You know, maybe he does do the Spielberg thing and kind of doesn't do a horror sci-fi flick. Maybe Let's just pray something. he doesn't get into World War II stuff for the next 30 <laughs> years of his career and make nothing but movies for dads. <laughs> well, he's got a blank check at this point. He's earned oh, big it. time. Big so time. hopefully he uses it to, to make some great stuff. But there's nothing at this point to doubt him, whatever his next project is. By great yeah. stuff, you mean Marvel movies, right? He's next he's going to get his Marvel paycheck. He's gonna I go mean, it's going to happen. Avengers, the Eventually. Kang Dynasty. You yeah. Think, you think? Someone's got to well, direct them. Yeah, the Rus- the Ru- the Russos have dropped the ball on anything else. They're like, hey, can we can we come back now? <laughs> have you seen Cherry? Yeah. yeah. Have you seen the Gray? Have you seen the Gray Man? <laughs> we can come back, right? Oh, they did the Gray Man. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway, I guess uh, that's it for this one. Let's uh, let's go around the virtual table and everyone can say where to find them. This is Joe. You can follow me on the Twitter at Joey Butts B U T T S twenty one. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And Jason, where can they find you and all your stuff? Find us on Twitter at Binge Movies. You can find us uh, on Podbean at bingemovies.podbean.com or any podcast platform. We're on pretty much any of them. We also have a wonderful growing Patreon with extra shows and content that's going to be continuously expanding. And from this point forward in 2023, exclusive shows only for patron members patreon.com slash binge movies. If you come in at the lowest level, I will mail you a membership card to the video store here in sunny tropical Akron, Ohio. Uh, we also have the binge movies challenge going on right now. If you watch all 120, 102 films we're going to be covering this year in our canonized ranking episodes, you will get a uh, personalized VHS tape straight from the shelves of binge movies. So uh, join the fun. We've got a lot of stuff going on and we could always use the support because Computers like to explode, as these men can tell you. <laughs> yes, they do. So uh, that's why we stopped feeding it balloons. That's right. <laughs> we only feed our computer horses. So, uh, so, and you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online, facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. And, of course, don't forget our Patreon account, patreon.com slash Real Spoilers. So that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, Dr. Marvin makes a sonic weapon. Get ready for a spoiler. Won't say it twice because we already warned you. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.